How do you find a way in the door when no one opens it for you? That's what I learned today when I sat down with Caleb Blossom. This is episode 194. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. Caleb is a former college football player turned creator, educator, and adventure seeker. We originally connected a few years back when I was living in LA, and honestly, the more I got to know him and his story, I knew he had to come on the show. Caleb isn't afraid to get scrappy and find a way to really make the things he wants in life work. He's a great example of how manifestation only works when you pair it with some grit. And speaking of getting gritty, I want to acknowledge each of you. Thanks to you, over the past few months here, we've been able to grow the show significantly. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, the listener, and invite you to keep sharing episodes with those in your life who could benefit from the messages we are putting out there into this world. And without further ado, let's get gritty with Caleb Fossum. Caleb, first and foremost, welcome home. Welcome to my house. Welcome to Forever Athlete Radio. I'm stoked to jam with you. How are you feeling right now? Dude, well, first of all, I feel great. You've been a uh, tremendous host um, from, you know, we didn't get uh, me getting out of the cold tub, but from the workout to the cold tub, um, making me a smoothie. Yeah, your your apartment's beautiful, man. I love it. Um, Thank appreciate you, you for having me on, man. Thank you for the invite. Dude, of course. My, my goal when I'm hosting anyone is to give the best podcast experience, too, so... Hopefully we're on that uh, that wavelength, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, for record, the the camera didn't work, but Caleb hit 20 minutes in the ice bath. It was <laughs> yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, we'll go we'll go with that story. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I couldn't handle that one today, man. That was that was a cold one. I was about to say you said first time cold plunging since in a minute. college days, or no, I uh, I've gone to like Generator Lab and you know other places with uh, some of my buddies and. Um, I've done some five-minute ones, some three-minute ones, but it's just different every day, man. I mm. felt very susceptible today. Like, as soon as I got in there, I was like, oh, it's cold. But usually I can fight it or it takes a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know what it was. Maybe the workout. I don't know, man. You had me. My head was, like, in the clouds after that workout. I was like, whew, boy. Because I haven't done some EMOM in a minute either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. I tried to uh, throw mm-hmm. some stuff up your alley, a little bit of footwork yeah. there. I mean, you absolutely smoked me. No, And, dude. and the quick feet stuff, like. I was looking over. I was like, dude, my feet aren't that quick. <laughs> but you were moving throughout the workout, though, dude. You were And you were pushing me, like we said uh, on the other the other clips. It was uh, it was good, dude. S- much needed. Um, just I'm so big and changing things up, you know. So I appreciate you. I was I got, I like, caught in a little, um, I don't know, season of just kind of not going through the motions, but just doing what I'm comfortable with at the gym mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, I got, you know, 40 minutes. I'm going to knock it out and, you know, whatever. But I don't think about – doing that kind of stuff and I was talking with my friend uh Luke because the gym is different like the public gyms and then something like Squatch Fitness or like a facility it's just such a different vibe Mm. in a facility if I was going to facility like that normally like I would feel shirt off more athletic doing stuff like that but at the public gym I feel like I'm just gonna do the cables and like do some arms you know it's like a weird it's a such a different vibe so it felt good I appreciate it dude it's it's funny going from Squatch as my home like main gym right now and I go anywhere else like I'll go to a Barry's class on occasion um and I'll immediately like want to take my shirt off as soon as I get sweaty I'm like Oh, that's not the norm. Yeah, <laughs> outside of squats, it's so. And yeah, you don't want to be like. You don't want to be that guy at LA. Fitness. But you're not that guy. Like I no, know you're, you're not that guy, but it's like you know you're gonna pe- be perceived as that guy, and you're like, oh man, like I just like to. I don't like to wear a shirt in general. It has nothing to do with being at the gym. Like I just don't like shirts. You know. It's. I was just in Ohio and I um, ran, and without a doubt, now like after running in Texas heat all summer, literally shirt comes off after five minutes yes tops and uh a couple people at the conference i was at were like Corey, why are you running shirtless it's like 60 degrees outside i'm like sorry it's a habit this yeah. isn't austin anymore <laughs> but also like me and my buddy were talking about that too of just like the, having your shirt off and i felt like for me i've done that honestly growing up all my uncles and like my dad's friends like everybody had their shirts off like mm. at family barbecues and stuff it was just kind of like a norm everybody had their shirts off we're all doing athletic stuff we played basketball football all that stuff and so even all through high school, like, I never liked wearing a shirt. And mm-hmm. I'd always get, like, shit for it. You know, like, oh, like, you know, it's like when you're in shape or you care about your body, it's like, oh, like, to take your shirt off. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you work hard for what you get. But also, like, I enjoy having my shirt off. I just like feeling free, you know, or the <laughs> sun like, on my skin. I, like, enjoy it. <laughs> it's definitely more of a freedom thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's funny. 
I, w- I went for a, through a period where I just was like, shirt staying on. I'm, I'm not really I, – because I didn't want to be perceived as that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I loved about the cultural shift here – because in L.A., in, in yeah. California, it's very much like pe- the dudes are taking off their shirt not because of functionality and, and feeling free. It's like, now nah, I got a 12-pack. Exactly. Check me out. Mm-hmm. What I love about Squatch is like, yes, there's some dudes there with a 12-pack and they're yeah. absolutely – jacked yeah but there's also dudes that are like very early on into the fitness journey or they're just they don't have the abs yeah and they're shirtless too and no, and one, no cares. one cares yeah. dude that's what i love about austin i think is like it's such a collaborative city as opposed to like competitive that's what my buddy luke said when he was out here he's like mm-hmm. you know i feel like austin's so collaborative everybody's like working together wants to put each other on like doing stuff like we're doing and in california sometimes it seems a little too competitive or like people think the pie is not big enough for everybody Mm. um but yeah man it's just it's just weird where people you know feel the need to um like not like mean judge but just uh come after you for doing things that you like to do but in austin nobody cares you can just be you you know a hundred percent and that's one of my questions i kind of thought of ahead of time for you is you've bounced around a little bit with between just experiencing a lot of different cultures Mm -hmm. whether it be in undergrad playing at two different schools Mm -hmm. and then even since then you spent some time in Hawaii Mm -hmm. some time in California now you're in in Austin what have you really felt called to with each of those transitions what's transpired inside of you where you're like we need to go there wherever there is (laughs) Yeah, I think very intuitive. So, I mean, with California, I was born and raised. So once COVID hit, um, you know, and I went back to go start training for the NFL or hopes of getting into the NFL um, right after college. So I went back to California. My girlfriend came with me um, and we were there and we were there all through COVID. And then, um, you know, going to Hawaii was actually we were in Hawaii before California. So we were in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. We were in Hawaii for a couple months, like three or four months, bought like a one-way ticket. Mm. Um, we were staying with her family up there on the big island. It's gorgeous. We actually helped move her, uh, move with her family from Oahu to the big island on like this beautiful ranch. It's like insane. Um, and up in Hawaii, it was just very, it's very grounding and everything's so much slower. Like the speed is just slow and mm. in, in, in everything, like the speed limit. It's like, nobody's going above 50. Like everybody's just cruising, man. And you also feel like, nobody's in a hurry or rushing you like everybody's just everybody's just chill you know and i think also the simplicity of hawaii where like everybody's just wearing their slippers and tank tops and and board shorts like there's no like superficial material lism out there you know so um really really cool grounding place i love that and it's so easy when you're in hawaii to get immersed into the culture um you know i was a ball boy at saddleback college in california where colt brennan was the ball boy Colt Brennan was um, one of the uh, record breakers in college football um, for uh, quarterback. And he was at Hawaii. He broke all these. Yeah, he was a stud. And, you know, he just passed away recently. You know, um, great dude. But, you know, he got immersed in that culture. And I remember when it first came out, I mean, he like dyed the Hawaiian islands in his head and everything. And people kind of gave him crap like, oh, this, you know, this white boy goes to Hawaii and like becomes Hawaiian. But it's like that's actually kind of what happens. You get so immersed in that culture, you like Mm. start to kind of adapt to the verbiage and you know i think that's kind of anywhere you go um but anyway loved hawaii and then you know came to california started training um my hometown so it was cool um but then just felt like i needed a needed a change was you know was just there and and we were just doing the same thing same people i love everybody but i just needed something new i felt like i needed to start fresh and then an opportunity popped up in austin and um it just felt right we moved out here without even ever seeing it like we didn't i found a Found a place, was like, oh, let's go here. It's right next to where I need to be. Um, never seen it. Packed up two of our cars, sold everything in our apartment. We drove up, and it was, uh, it's was it been a crazy journey. But, um, yeah, thanks for asking that question. Really cool reflecting on just kind of the places we've been and the little pieces I've taken from everything. Yeah, man, I, I see a lot and hear a lot in your story, and I see a lot reflected in mine of mm-hmm. just this. On the outside, to other people, it probably looks like we're bouncing around a little bit lost trying to find where home is. Um, but really it's a sense of we're just really tapped into that intuition piece and mm-hmm. aren't afraid to listen to it and go to where we feel called. Um, it's a beautiful 
place and state that we're in in early mid to late 20s mm-hmm. nothing's permanent right now which is great you know even the the original opportunity that brought you out here fell through mm-hmm. and yet you've been blessed with so many other new opportunities in that process oh yeah it gives me goosebumps man because i think you know uh even at empowered brotherhood there was one day where we went over like celebrating yourself Mm. and i definitely don't do that enough and i think that just comes from you know like we talked about the athlete mentality of always more to do yeah but i was talking to my girlfriend and you know you say like people oh you might be looking like you're bouncing around searching for home but i was we were talking with my girlfriend i was like dude home is it's the most cliche thing but when i'm with my girlfriend and our little dog, I feel like I can conquer the world. Like I, I yeah. take us three versus anybody, man. Like we're just, uh, they're my rocks. And so like you said, we just weren't afraid. And I'm like, I, we were talking about it. I'm like, man, we picked up and moved to Austin and same with you, man. Like we should celebrate, um, you know, that jump and that leap. Like that was a huge leap without even knowing, like mm-hmm. I really didn't register how hard it was going to be. If that made sense, like all the different things and what could happen. But we, I didn't think about that. I was like, Austin looks cool, sounds cool. I've heard great things. Let's do it. Let's go see what's out there. Got to go see for myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's there are a lot of similarities in our journey. I think that's what um, you know. We talked originally in California that kind of drawn me to you as well. It was like uh, just the former athlete, the bouncing around, and just wanting to go see what's out there, man. The relentless curiosity, you know. A hundred percent, man. I <laughs> I think it is full circle that quote unquote this was supposed to happen originally yeah. like a year and a half ago in, when i was in la uh and then just timing didn't work out a combination of you were go- you were traveling a little bit i was traveling and then you know life happens and then out of the blue you hit me up you're like yo i'm in austin now i was like shut up dude yeah. i just moved to austin <laughs> let's let's kick it let's make it happen for sure um you just said something that i'm really curious what are you most proud of right now in your life Um, I feel like it's just my unwavering, like faith and confidence in myself, man. I feel like I've just been able to double down and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we have this made up word on the, on the uncommon podcast, the uncommons, um, just figure it out of this, you know, of just the ability to figure it out. And, um, I'm just pretty proud of myself, but again, my little tribe that, you know, my girlfriend and our, our little dog, dude, I feel like that's like my son, bro. Like, I'm just, I love that. I love that guy. His name's Mac. Um, but just, just proud of us in the sense of it hasn't been easy. And there's mm. been days where, fuck, it's been tough of just like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month. I don't know how, you know, um, there's been a couple storms where it was raining and then it was pouring and then just taking those deep breaths, doing the work that I know how to do when those situations come up, whether it's journaling or meditating or taking some solitude, going for a nature walk and just kind of like, okay, like this is going on and it's been tough, but it's brought in like all these characteristics out of myself, out of my relationship, out of my girlfriend Mm. um, that we just wouldn't have had if we didn't challenge ourselves with this move, Um, you know, and she's, she's from Hawaii and being away from her family. um, And that's kind of, that's tough, man. I don't think we, you realize you know, when you're away from your family. And I understand, yeah. I used to not understand when people would be like, well, I don't want to leave my family. Like, oh, dude, like you have a life, you know, like go live your life. But it's like, no, it's hard, man, being away from your family and friends, like your core group of friends. Like we come out here and meet new people, obviously, but the ones that you came up with that really know yeah. you from, you know, your freshman year or whatever. So I miss my my boys and stuff. But um, just like you said, putting yourself out there and taking that risk, man, has been the biggest payoff. So I just kind of pride myself in like, not being scared to fail at mm. anything. I feel like I just don't care anymore about like failing. I like, I want to fail more because of like, I've honestly understood the power of failing and how it just becomes a lesson and gathering more data to then make a better decision next time. You know? Mm. I love that. I, I like to say f- failure is feedback mm. and all feedback is just neutral. It just gives us a flashlight forward. You can tell I like the analogy. Yeah. There, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, alliterations here. Right. But failure is feedback. Feedback's neutral, and it just gives us this flashlight to find that next move forward. You mentioned a little bit there of, you know, like anything, there's going to be these ups and downs in our journeys. Where do you find the confidence when you are head is barely staying above water, you're treading water, (laughs) the constant questions of rent's due next week, how are you going to make ends Mm -hmm. meet? how do you stay true to that confidence? Because I think so many people 
hear that and they're they're they get afraid right away and they let that fear kind of take over and engulf them and they say all right we're packing it up we're gonna we're gonna get a real job we're gonna you know so to speak or mm-hmm. we're gonna I, I don't know like we're just gonna fold where do you think what do you do in those moments yeah, that's a great question and I think it just comes from constantly putting myself in the arena in different areas like mm constantly doing hard things whether it's getting in the ice tub or you know just my football journey and my sports journey in general I feel like gave me a ton of confidence because I've always just bet on myself and took the third door bro like I I mean just I I mean I lied to get onto the field at Washington State I walked on I did all these things and I did some cool accomplishments and I was honestly playing at a level that I had no business playing at like I had no it, business being up there. You you lied to get on the field at Washington yes, State. Yes. Yeah. Can, can I you uh, share, elaborate on this story here. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, out of high school, um, I was very under recruited, and I was never the best on my team until probably my senior year. Mm. Now, my just I I kind of had this weird, you know, my junior year, after my junior year, I played strong safety or free safety, um, and they came out with like the hot 150 list in the county, which is like it's a it's a county, it's like big, but like there's not a ton of kids and so I wasn't even an honorable mention on the list and I was like oh dude like that just lit a fire under me so I kind of went crazy that offseason I just I you know my buddy Luke is uh you know one of my best friends is a huge um help with that man would just go to the gym with me at 4 30 in the morning we were just doing that shit like just really started to yeah. grind and then I balled out my senior year had a really big year um, but was really under recruited I had no division one offers for for sports and I went crazy my senior year. had a lot of cool stats I just I had a really really good year and then Washington State um, it was funny. I, me and my dad emailed every school in the country, I think 20 times. Like I, I like Let's shit you go. not sat at the computer for hours and cold emailed schools, um, got very, very, very few replies. And most of them were, Hey, sorry, we're filled up. Won't even take me as a walk on. Mm. And so, uh, I'm leaving the house to go to a baseball game. And my dad goes, Hey, we haven't emailed Washington state special teams coordinator yet. And I was like, whatever, dude, like, cool. Like go ahead and email him. Like he's not going to reply. And then on the way home from my baseball game, I get a call from a New Jersey number, and it's a special teams coordinator at Washington State. Um, pretty much tells me, like, he wants me to walk on and come return kicks and, you know, earn a spot. And I was like, fuck, all right, cool, I commit. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm walking on. And so, you know, it's a weird process as a freshman because you come in with your freshman group and you're, you're feeling good. And then the whole team comes in, and you're starting to see these grown men. Yeah. And, you know, the summer's cool because it's like – oh, we're doing seven on seven and stuff. And then fall camp happens and it's like real. And it's like, no, go to scout team. And I'm like, what the hell is scout team? Like I've never been on scout team before. It's like, you were just treated as a walk-on. I was a walk-on and it kind of hit me. I was like, okay, like I got to figure something out. So every day they would post the, the roster up or the dev charts up, you know, in the, in the locker room. So you could see where you're at. And, uh, we're a week out from our, our, uh, mock travel week, Mm. which is like the week before the first game where they were pretty much going to finalize the travel roster. <clears throat> and, uh, dude, I was nowhere on the roster. I was like, oh, my God, bro. Like, And I've been sitting in special teams meetings just trying to fit, figure out ways to go on the field. I would try to steal reps. They'd kick me off the field. Like, Foster, get, get out of there. Like, and I'm like, I'm just trying to find ways onto the field, man. So my special teams coordinator comes up to me and goes, hey, can you hold field goals? And I go, yeah, I held in high school, and I never held a field goal in my life. And uh, he goes, all right, hold the game winner today. And the game winner is like, we hold, after practice, we do a game-winning field goal to see offense or defense wins the day. Yeah. And I've never held a field goal in my life. And I'm like shitting my pants, like in front of the team, you know, I'm just, it's just a big moment for me. Um, snap was high. I went up, I got it, I put it down and he kicked it and we made it. And I was like, oh shit. And then I was on the effort clip the next day, which was like a big win for me. It was like, cause I was calling my dad every day at fall camp, like, yo dude, I don't know if I could do this. I was mm. crying. I was like, dude, this is different like this is real life shit like i'm getting treated like shit because i'm a walk-on it was just and not shit it was just hard it was just a totally different world um so i lied and that little lie turned into me earning a travel spot on on the roster as a as a field goal holder like to hold the field goals and my boy river craycraft who's on the uh he's on the miami dolphins right now but he was like yo bro you really beat the system like you're traveling as a holder but then that holding position led me to you know, I kept working my butt off on the scout team. I became the backup punt returner. And then the starting punt returner was late to a meeting before the UCLA game. So he goes, Fossum, you're starting today. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of snowballed into this getting my first start. And then I got my first return. And then I became the starter. And so it snowballed. It all started from a lie um, where I was almost not even on the travel roster, you know. And so just finding a way to bring value. So I actually, when that happened, um, that's kind of been a thing that stuck with me in my whole life of just find a way to bring value in mm-hmm. anything, in any room you step into, anybody you come into contact with, like bring the magic, bring something to the table. 
I feel like no matter who you are, <coughs> it might just require you to be a little bit more creative, mm. but you can provide value to literally anyone in this world. 100%. You just have to st- like be strategic and think, how do I do this? Yes. I got asked that recently. Someone was like, how do you connect with people? And like so well. And I was like, it's <coughs> just taking the time to, to read them and learn them. And then I craft what I bring to the table, my value mm-hmm. add to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always positioning myself to be, oh, it sounds like you're struggling with X. I can provide you with Y. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about it? And yeah. they're like, never thought about that. Sure. Yeah. Or like <laughs> your similar experiences with people. Like what I love about like the guys like Joe Rogan, I'm like really into this Renaissance man mentality mm. of knowing a little bit about everything. And I feel like that helps me connect with people, just having different experiences, trying different things or being open to doing new things with people. And then you can connect in the experiences or like you said, I can provide you this or I know somebody who who knows. Yeah. You know, and it's like just being able to put people on and um, yeah, man, connecting with people is beautiful. And it's so cool, especially out here. There's such a wide variety of people out in Austin, Texas. It's so cool. I was about to say, (laughs) even the guys that we just ran into at the gym, you had the varying degrees of one dude just ran Leadville 100, which is yeah. 100 miles into the mountains of Cali- or Colorado, and it's absolutely an insane race. And then you have people like you and I there. Mm-hmm. You got people that are jumping into ice barrels filled with strong coffee. Mm-hmm. It's you got a little bit of everyone. Yeah, 100%. it's a little bit of flavor from all different areas, and it's become this great melting pot, which I I really did miss. One of the things that I'm hearing a lot in your story is this confidence to bet on yourself has that always been there or is it something Um, that you've had to kind of consciously work on over time yeah man i think it's been something that that it's a muscle Mm -hmm. it was a muscle um you know i i owe a lot to my parents like my dad was very tough on me um growing up and but just showed me that if i worked hard i could get things done you know like since I was a kid, I was always doing the extra stuff. He would always have me out on that field. I mean, we, when YouTube was first kind of coming out, I never, I couldn't really afford private coaching. So my dad would look up YouTube videos and we'd go Mm. to the park and, you know, there'd be neighbors coming out and telling us like, yeah, man, like you guys are always out here or running the hills. And like, so he kind of instilled that. And I wasn't naturally an athlete. Like I really had to work hard to become an athlete, to become fast, you know? Um, and that started when I was a kid. So then I think once I just started to see the compound effect actually happen as a kid and just understanding, like, what's the worst that happens. Mm. Um, so I think not being scared to fail wasn't still when I was a kid. And I think I just kept taking it with me. Like, what's the worst that happens? You know, like, go give your best and see what happens. And I never really had expectations. I think I didn't I didn't expect to play college ball. Yeah. And then it happened. And I, ex- I didn't expect to get a shot to even have an opportunity to even think about sniffing the NFL. And then it was kind of happening, you know? Yeah. And so I think not having expectations was a natural thing as well. Like I wasn't expecting anything. I just literally loved the process. I think that's why my identity was so wrapped up with football was because I really enjoyed training. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed everything. I really loved that process. So yeah. I, I just, I love to train. I loved to work hard. So I, that, that's why I feel like um, the betting on myself is easy now because I'm like, dude, I know that I can outwork, you know, when I want to, like if, if I'm in a competition or like I need to outwork somebody, um, I feel like I can bring that to the table, you know, in a good way and not like, Oh, I outwork, I work harder than you. It's just, I know that I have the work ethic. So I think that's where the confidence comes from. I think the people that lack the confidence in a lot of things are just not prepared. You Mm -hmm. know, they don't, they don't do enough hard stuff and that's where it comes in. But I do struggle with imposter syndrome, which I think is kind of different. You know, I think we all do to some degree, though. Yeah, right. For sure. Especially as you do more and more uncommon things. Yes. Um, As you are leaning into charted, uncharted territories here, of course, you're going to feel like an imposter. This this underlying question of who are you to do X will always be there if you are on the forefront of trying to push what is possible and. You know, it's valid because who are you to do this? But in the same breath, who else is going to do it? Why not you? No, <laughs> Why it's not so you? true. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough, man. I think wearing so many different hats, I think that is kind of the 
the downside to being a jack of all trades renaissance man is that sometimes you don't feel as equipped in some areas because maybe you haven't been doing it as long. But I've honestly, and it's really just been this last couple months where I started to really just embody like, mm. you know what, dude, like you've done a lot. You've experienced a lot. Like you said, traveling, going different places. It doesn't always necessarily mean like studying book, you know, smart in that area, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, like, um, you have experience in different things. And like me, I've just been trying to form my own philosophy from my experiences and kind of create my own lane of like whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, and not trying to be anybody else and just saying like, if people are interested in what I'm doing, then cool. I can have my experience and be like, this is me yeah. <clears throat> and everybody's different. But yeah, it's that imposter syndrome is a tough deal, man. Um, and it comes and goes, right. You feel so confident doing something and then sometimes something comes up and I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> My biggest thing is I bite off more than I can chew and I figure out how to chew later. And then sometimes I find myself in spots like, whoa, dude, how did you get here? You know, like I, that was a big bite, you know. And so uh, but it always works out, man. You always figure it out. You remind me of uh, I was at a sweet 16 and I tried edamame for the first time. And no one told me that you don't eat the shell of edamame. So I'm sitting at the sweet 16, 16 years old, you know, that awkward stage where you don't <laughs> yeah. want to admit that like, you did something weird. And I just – I'll never forget <laughs> sitting there chewing for like 10, 15, 20 minutes on this single piece of edamame shell. That's so funny. Just trying to be like this – why – like I don't <laughs> understand why people like this thing. Um, but that you just made me think of that as oh this my God, like that's hilarious. biting off more than you can chew. I'll chew later. I'll, yeah. I'll figure that out. Um, now I very much enjoy edamame. So I learned how to, to eat it properly. That's but so funny. I don't think – knowing how to do something properly should stop you from taking that first bite in the first place. And dude, it, dude, it will sort out. It will absolutely sort out. It's funny. Cause like, you know, it reminds me of, I'm over at Apogee. Um, it's like an alternative learning school and I'm, uh, you know, in charge of middle school and I'm with these kids and I pretty much just teach these kids life. You know, they do all their mm-hmm. core, core work online, their subjects. And then the last like pretty much two, three hours or like in, in the middle of the day, we start, reading or discussion, a lot of Socratic discussion, just a lot of these deep questions that no one's ever asked them. And it's, it's just funny. Like when you're, when you meet kids and it, it's so grounding, um, the questions they have Mm -hmm. and the things that come up with like these younger kids. And it just, it helps you as an adult realize, like, I don't know, you're telling them it's, it's like you, you're supposed to be bad at things. Like how else do you learn? So like some of them are like, well, I'm not good at this. And I'm like, well, how do you think we get better at that? Mm. by doing it you know and so it's like but you lose that as an adult you'll just be like oh i don't i'm not good at that i'm not going to do it you know and it's like so it's really inspiring like when you're around kids a lot because it's just some of them are fearless and they just do stuff and then some of them are scared to do things but you have to instill this like well that's how we learn we we do things we Mm. fail we bite off the shell and we learn oh i'm not supposed to bite that Ooh, ouch that's hot like you know like that's how you gather the information is by doing things so i love this whole idea of process of elimination i love this idea because that's what we did one of our uh, workshops was like who are you like asking these questions right and i was like and all of them were like i don't know and i'm like exactly so let's start with who are you not Mm. who do you know what you're not what do you really know that you don't like and i don't like using like and dislike but you know what have you learned not to do What are the things that, you know, from a coach, from a parent, from whatever the case is, this like, okay, you know what? I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to work at a desk. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have that job. I don't want to, you know? So I think starting with, with those things. And I think that's really helped me through life of like this clarity that I've been looking for is like, Mm -hmm. all right, dude, just start backwards, reverse engineer, you know? Yeah. I mean, super simple. (laughs) We like to complicate things, Yeah. right? We, we said it earlier as we were cooling down it's like we want to whenever we want to try to make a positive change in our life or just change something in general we go first to we want to add more i gotta eat healthier i gotta Mm -hmm. add you know go to the gym five times but if instead we shift that process of elimination and first look at making space to even have room for any sort of change is huge i love that you guys are asking these middle schoolers like who they are um, yeah, dude. What like what comes up in those discussions? A lot, man. I've had a um, we've had a lot of like really good tear moments too. Where like, you know, I just told them, you know, and I had some imposter syndrome even getting started with this, and then I was just like, yeah. you know, I am here to teach you the things that I wish I knew. 
back then. So it's like, oh, if I knew then what I know now, but now I do. And I have an opportunity to give that back and to help these kids in any way, um, whether it's just gaining more confidence in themselves and loving who they are. And, you know, and we have our core values up on the wall of our studio is what we call it. It's not a classroom. It's alternative learning. So my age group is pretty much 10 to 14. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, relentless curiosity, being uncommon, dancing with fear, um, figured out of and just like these things of just like uh, authenticity. Um, so teaching them like to celebrate the things that make them them, you know, and, and Matthew McConaughey talks about, we're not here to, you know, talk about celebrate our sameness. We're here to, you know, mm-hmm. celebrate our distinctions, salute our distinctions, like what makes you, you. And I think when you're young, you feel weird. And what's cool about kids. And I was telling my girlfriend, this is you're such a, it's, it's humans in their most raw form Mm -mm. and then they're conditioned, right? Like you're seeing a human, this precious, like innocent human being. And then as they get older, they start to get conditioned by friends, by peers, by parents, right? We're reading the four agreements. That's our first book. And there's a lot that comes up and it's really cool, man, because again, I'm hearing answers from them that it's like, wow, it's cool that, and I'm like, I told them I'm fascinated with how your brain works. Mm. So please don't judge your answers and please don't hold back. And a lot of them try to hold back at first and they give me an answer. I'm like, that's an amazing answer because it's all Socratic. I'm like, there's no right or wrong. A lot of this is like, it's so open-ended. I'm like, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. It's all about how your brain works. So it's cool to start to see them sharing more and more about their experiences and being raw because at first it's like, even like, you know, when I first got into journaling and doing things, it's like you, you want to, you judge what you want to write. You hold it. You try to filter it out before it goes under the paper. Exactly. And it's just you. It's not like anybody else is going to read this. And so I kept telling them like, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. And they're starting to get into the flow. So, um, but again, I tell them that I still struggle with a lot of these things too. And this is a daily, daily mm. thing. It's a daily choice to make these decisions. And so um, I just keep telling them, I know they're young and like, we're doing some things that like probably adults have never done or asked themselves and it's hard who am i but i'm 10 years old right but i'm like hey have an idea we're doing a lot of future self work we're doing a lot of vision boards i'm like you know and this can change tomorrow that's okay but just start thinking that way start trying to put things into the universe start trying to understand who you are and so um you know because then you get to the point where you're a kid and no one asked me and i'm just this football player you know athlete and then i get to the point where i'm 24 years old i'm done playing and i'm like what the hell am i going to do with my life you know so um better just to try to get that going now yeah is that when you first how long after you stopped playing did you start asking yourself those questions like what did that look like for you oh yeah dude so that journey was tough so pretty much what happened was i have a a mentor brother his name is matt coman uh you'd love him man i gotta i gotta hook you guys up he'd be cool to have on here um but next athlete uh dove into the holistic health world he's been to paul check's house numerous times of just um studying that type of deal, just an amazing human being. But he was my head trainer for the NFL training. Mm. Um, and so the day I met him, there was just this energy. But, you know, and then we, I helped uh, help them open up and build this elite athlete middle school called Togethership um, out in California. And it was very holistic driven. And something was calling me spiritually my senior year. I dove into the Bible my senior year of college. I've never really been religious. And, you know, the Bible, I love the stories. I just couldn't connect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to Togethership, um, you know, the head man, Devin, Devin, he was like, hey, have you ever heard of like Taoism? You know, and I was like, oh, no. And kind of got into Taoism and Buddhism of just like the universe and kind of I just connected a little bit more with that. Yeah. So that kind of started the spiritual foundation. And then Matt, you know, Komen, he was just with us asking these these questions. He had this program and he was asking these type of questions I never thought of before. But then I was still so focused on training. Yeah. They were they were being planted, but I wasn't really watering them. I'm like, I'm training. I need to run a good 40. Like, that's what I'm worried about. But I was pressing and pressing and pressing. And then, you know, COVID hit, everything canceled, whatever. I trained for another year. And then I was probably about 23, I think maybe, maybe 24. But we're on a call. I'm on a call with Matt going through his course, his Ohio program. And he goes, let me ask you a question. Because I'm, I'm already kind of debating, like, starting to try to do other things without football. Because it's hard. You're... You're training for something that you can't see. Mm. You're chasing ghosts. Because when you're not, when you don't get picked up, and the thing with me was I didn't expect anything, and then I got a call the night before the draft in my bed saying that uh, the Giants had three picks in the seventh round, and they were looking at me. So that's where shit started to change for me. Yeah. And my girlfriend was like, oh, my God, I watched the third day of the draft with my family, and no call, you know, and it was it was brutal. 
So after all that training, he asked me this question because I'm half foot in, half foot out. You know, and, and there's a lot of guys in that position that are like, they're still training, they're kind of in shape, but they're kind of trying to start their life. But if a call comes, they're kind of ready. You know, yeah. it's this weird phase. And he goes, "Are you f- are you your fully expressed self when you play football?" And I was like, "No," because before the draft, I I had people in my head. I cut my hair. I like took all my piercings out. I had you know my nose pierced, my ears pierced. I would take my piercings. I would just try to look like. I try to look like the perfect, like, I don't know, prospect, you know, yeah. I don't know. It was like, I would change myself to look good. And all they cared about was this 40. And it was just like, they don't care about the character of the person I was. And so I felt very unauthentic when I was training for football at that time. And so the question was any, I quit the next day. I hung my cleats up and I just stopped training. I was like, you know what, dude, mm. I want to find what makes me my fully expressed self. And that was the first time I heard that expression and uh, it stuck with me forever. It was just, a, it was this mind bottling question. And he's like, dude, if anything suppresses your fully expressed self and that's relationships, that's, you know, food, your tribe, um, your work, like anything you're doing, anything that you're consuming, if it's not allowing you to be fully expressed and always like, then what are you doing? And I think that's kind of where a lot of people are at. They just don't feel themselves. And I think that's where this purpose and like, you don't know what you're doing, but I think a good place to start is if like there's parts of you that's holding back something in any aspect, um, that's probably what you need to cut off. And football was that for me. Yeah. I, I mean, props to you, man. It's, it's challenging. I know you said you didn't have, asp- uh, I wouldn't say you didn't have aspirations in the league. That doesn't sound Oh, right. no, I, I definitely, did. I had all legs in one basket. It was yeah. just when it didn't happen. It was kind of like, dude, the day of the draft, I mean, I mean, they pretty much told me they were going to pick me up in the seventh round, but I was like, okay, let me be realistic. I don't Let's know if I'm cool. going yeah. to cool. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get drafted. I didn't expect that. And yeah. then I'm like, I'm for sure going to get a free agent deal. Like, you know, like, but COVID, they, they shut, they shrunk down the roster size and yeah. like everything changed. I didn't have a pro day. So nobody really saw me in person. They're going based off and I just came off an injury. So I had it all stacked against me. So the fact that they even called me, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people get calls, right? And uh, you're not thinking that. So they didn't call and during the draft. I, was, I got an Apple Watch just so I didn't miss the call. I was like, I need an Apple Watch. I don't, don't want to miss the call. Like, dude, I was freaking out, right? And then the, every time the Giants would come on, I'm just on the edge of my seat waiting for my phone, nothing, and then no free agent deal. And, like, literally after the draft, it's like, what am I going to do? Mm. So my all eggs were in that basket. That's all I cared about. That's all I thought about. I didn't care about really anything or anybody else than football. Like, I did not care. I just All I wanted to do was play football and go to the NFL. So how did you mentioned earlier this this notion of being able to let go of the expectations? Mm. How do you goal set and release from the expectations of the goal? Dude, it's so funny. We talked about that yesterday in my class of, you know, I think the the key to that is not being attached to the result. Mm. Right. Like, I think that's where I said, like, I really fell in love with the process of it. So that was itself fulfilling to me. I don't want to put anything on a result and be like, okay, well, if I get there, then I'll be happy. And that's what every time I've done that, and I've done that throughout that point, right? When yeah. I got to college, it was like, okay, and then I had a good junior season, and then it got real for me. I'm like, oh, I can do this. So then I attached to that result. And then when I did that, everything went downhill. Mm. It's like as soon as I started to force instead of flow and let the game come to me, it went downhill. And so – I think just detaching from the result, like not placing your happiness on it and saying like, oh, if I get there then, or if I get there, you know, if I get X, then I'll feel better. It's, I feel like it's just setting the goal and then reverse engineering going, okay, what can I do daily, uh, weekly, monthly that I love to do? So like the process itself is fulfilling. Cause Mm. I feel like it, it matters. Like the whole, do what you love. You don't have to work a day in your life. Like, I feel like that's real because it's like, well, if I love what I'm doing every single day, then it doesn't matter what happens. The result, you know, will be a byproduct of me showing up every single day. Mm. But when we're too focused on the result, like the NFL, I, I zoomed in on that and like everything else was lacking. Like it, it's, I don't know how, how else to explain it. It's just like, if you're too zoomed in on that result, everything else is just going to suffer. You can't see the forest from the trees. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I just, uh, it is hard though. I mean, that's a great question. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm setting these goals and I want to achieve something. I feel like you're more just planting that seed in your, in your head mm-hmm. and you're like speaking it to the universe and going, Hey, this is what I desire, but I'm just going to keep showing up and bringing magic and value to the world every single day. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, goal setting to me is just always such an interesting one. I had a, f- a friend of mine tell me, he's like, goals are bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't believe in them. And I was like, wow, I feel like we need them to some degree because they help orient us, mm-hmm. right? Um, if we don't have that orientation, yes, we can work hard every day, every day. Um, but we need, need to pick our head up occasionally and say, well, am I still going the right direction? Yes. Um, and that's one of the solutions that I found is when I do goal set on occasion, I want to say on occasion, I really do sit down pretty much weekly mm-hmm. and say, all right, the beginning of the year, I set out this goal five years from now. Then I reverse engineered to mm-hmm. three to five years. What gets to happen there this year? What has to happen to make that happen each quarter? What needs to go along? What are my benchmarks? And then each week, mm-hmm. each month, um, and really narrowing it down to today. Um, and that has been allowed me, allowed me to reorient the process. Yes. Cause similar to you, I think it's so black and white in sport. Cause it's like, it's very objective. You mm-hmm. make the team or you don't make the team. You make that, you get that call. You don't get the call. Exactly. I make, I qualify for the meet or I don't qualify for the meet. Um, and then when that set structure gets taken away, it's very, very challenging mm-hmm. to – you don't get feedback like you do in sports in real life. No, no. It's instant feedback in sports, 100%. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful because for us to experience flow, one of the flow, many flow triggers – there's 22 mm-hmm. of them. One of the many is instant feedback, yes. immediate feedback. And the more we get feedback, I, I like to say it's similar to when we set our GPS. If – and the further your trip is, the more you need feedback from your GPS to let you know, like, hey, you've actually made a wrong turn five minutes into this three-hour or 15-hour journey. It would probably be good to know that pretty early on. But the problem that I see in so many cultural settings, whether that be in uh, organizations and businesses um, or just in, in day-to-day life, is we set that one-time goal and then we never get feedback. Mm-hmm. The GPS never is – we never allow space for that intuition to come up and say, hey, Caleb, by the way, you you went down on do not enter. Like you should probably recalibrate, turn around, and, and start going the right way. 100%. We're too busy going through the motion of our life to ever allow that voice to, to even be heard. Whatever that voice – I don't care what you set your, your GPS to. It could be the classic Siri voice or it could be <laughs> something you know a little bit more – a little exotic. bit more exotic there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, dude, for sure. It's it's funny you say that because what came up for me was to go back to that question you just asked about, like, how do you detach? I think when you're too focused on a goal and too structured, you're not open to anything else. Mm. So I think the key is setting the goal, planting the seed, and then being open to what arises because it doesn't always look like your plan. And I think that's where mm. we get confused. Like, oh, no, no, this it, is this It never is looks going. like your plan. Exactly, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you make plans and God laughs, right? And so just be being open to all and attached to none in the sense of like, I'm going this direction, but I am also have a pretty – I have a wide view. Like McConaughey says, I put up the guardrails, you know, and the it's a 12-lane road, and I swerve side to side in that 12-lane road because I'm just – that's the flow, but you have to set the guardrails, right? Mm. You don't want to go too far off. So I love how you said like goals are just kind of setting the intention, setting the direction um, of that. But then you said it's black and white. And so my struggle was, like you said, it's so black and white. I knew what my compound effect was in football. I knew, and we live our life seasons at a time. So I knew what I had to do in the off season to shine during season and then repeat. And then I knew that if I did X, Y, and Z, this would happen on the field, right? In life, like you said, there's no instant feedback. So it's like, what's my compound effect? And for me, I found that it's it's all internal work. Yeah. That's what, and it's it's the most confusing theme because you're like, is this productive? Like me sitting down doing my, my journaling or my meditations yes. or my visualizations yep. or my coursework or spending money on a course or a mentor, like for inner work. And you're like, yeah, but that's not getting anything done on the outside. But that's what's allowing you to mm. get on the vibration and attract the things that you desire, right? So- I love that you said that because that was one of my thoughts as well. Like it's, it's sports is, is cool. Obviously you learn a lot, but then when you get to life, it's just such a different game. It's nobody cares if you show up to the workout or not. Nobody cares if you're not doing the right things when you're in sports, it's a team thing. Everybody's holding each other accountable, mm. but in life it's like, 
yeah, dude, you need to figure out what's what your 1% is every day. Yeah, I think the most important investment that we can make in life isn't a tangible ROI. Mm-hmm. It's not an ROI that we can actually hold um, Facts. to all of what you just said because – it's so hard to buy, like to buy in, especially given the upbringings that you and I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not viewed as productive to sit with your feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not viewed as productive to take a rest day. Yep. It's not viewed as the right thing to do to get better on the field or in the pool to miss practice and go to the training table or go see the sports psychologist because you are like still holding on to some shit that happened three games ago. Um, But it's that work, the one, the stuff that we are most afraid oftentimes to even go into, we don't allow that space to, that will actually move us exponentially further ahead in our journeys. Dude, I I think what keeps coming up is what you said earlier is we want to add. And even by adding is, well, I'm just going to go to the gym. I'm just going to go do some footwork. I'm just going to go run routes. I'm just going to go to the weight room. It's like, Dude, like, how about you, like you said, yeah, sit with your feelings and go talk to somebody, but it's it's the culture that makes it, like, seem not okay or makes you seem soft yeah. or makes you seem like, oh, you, you know, like, oh, you're going to go talk to the, somebody? You, you want to miss practice to go talk to somebody? It's like, dude, I can't think. I can't think straight. I am in a dark place right now. If I could just go purge this out and take a day yeah. and just, like, not ha- – like. It, people would be so you you would shine on the field and that's our biggest thing like i love i can't wait to dive into your book but the identity piece right if you find out who you are without that sport while you're still playing you become a superhero on the field your expectations and pressure go obsolete you mm-hmm. don't even care it's like this is a game it becomes fun again like when you were a little kid running around or diving in the pool like that's what it is and i think the the higher you get and obviously money's involved in all these politics yeah. but it's like dude it's a game and it's not forever. It's finite. Yeah. I, I think the downfall of every high achiever is they get stuck in the struggle phase of the flow cycle. They get stuck in phase one, which is struggle. And we need struggle because that's where skills develop. For sure. So Growth. it's absolutely – it is 100% important. But so many of us live in it because the next stage of the flow cycle is release. Mm. Taking that step away. <clears throat> even just taking – I tell my clients, like, take 30 seconds – Stare at this white wall for 30 seconds, and I guarantee you, like, it quiets enough of the brain so that question can be at least somewhat answered. And now, whatever you were trying and struggling to focus on, you were getting really frustrated at, now becomes way more exciting than this white wall ever was. So that will help trigger you into flow. And then on the other side of it, flow is just high energy. We need to, we need to recover. We need to take time away, take time to decompress. I love that you brought up the seasonality of sport, the seasonality of football, I think is the one that probably universally we're the most familiar with because mm-hmm. I mean, it's the biggest sport on television yeah. here in the States. And I'm a big believer, like it is set up so intentionally. Why can't we set up our lives to mirror that? Mm-hmm. Like we need to have this big macro cycle of a year long, if we look at how we spend our time at work as the same deal, it's like we're going to have projects that are due, right? And that's crunch time that's in season or maybe that's playoff mode even. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta accommodate for it on the back end and make sure your recovery matches the amount of time that you were trying to be in flow, trying to be on efficient, boom, 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 like knocking things out at that level. Yet we don't view it that way. So I think one of the biggest things, it's like, dude, why do you think from the beginning of time, it's written in so many different scriptures, uh, whatever your belief system is, yeah. but like a Sabbath day is like the minimum that we could all be taking at least one day a week where we turn off and we, we give ourselves that space to rest, recover. And then the the more you are trying to push yourself, the more you kind of have to take account and be like okay big picture wise maybe i can't take a sabbath because you know for these next this next month the big projects is due mm-hmm. so then account for that and allow for that on the back end so many of us i think just continues continually get stuck in that struggle phase mm-hmm. we just keep 
we're not good at flirting with frustration in our society. We're just used to being frustrated. Yeah, we're living in that <laughs> state of fear and scarcity 24-7. And the scarcity is there's not enough time. I'm not good enough. I need more. And it's like, no, oh, I can't take an off day. They don't even let you digest the game. In college football, bro, you're going all week. You're playing on Saturday. And then you have film on Sunday. Mm. Like, dude, Sunday, you should just not – like, you just got home at 2 o'clock in the morning from a bus and plane ride, and you want me to come back in at 10 o'clock and watch film? Dude, I think it's only going to get worse with the, the conference restructuring that's going dude, on. Dude, it's 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 inc- – <laughs> but that's why people like us with these mm. mindsets, like, I think – and obviously Aaron Rodgers uh, came out on Aubrey Marcus's podcast and said a lot about this holistic perspective and plant-based medicine. Like you said, Mike Posner with the 49ers, but – Man, this, like, let people digest. Like, it's traumatic. You just got into car accidents for 40 minutes. It's literally high-speed car accidents. And, you know, all sports, right? Not just football. It's all sports where it's just so much, like, baseball. Dude, I played baseball in college for a season, and it was like, dude, baseball players are another level of time. Like, they travel so much we just heard you know the friends say dude he's yeah. been in the minor leagues and he's he's been married for two years but he's only seen his girlfriend for two months but that's real like they're always going they have like one off day a year especially yeah. in the minor leagues and it's like when are we going to take the time to prioritize ourselves like we said this is a finite game and i'm totally on board with like yeah you want to be the best in the world the like kobe bryant's and michael jordan's i understand that like there's a level of obsession that needs to happen but also athletic optimization. I talked to a guy, had a guy on my podcast about optimization. He said, we focus on the 22 hours after your sport. Hmm. So the two hours, you should be dialed in for the two hours, right? Like you're going to play at that point. You're there. Go play. We're here to help you the 22 hours after. And I think that's maybe where the professionals like LeBron spends a million dollars on his body. And I think that includes his mind and they have the access to do all that because they're so individualized. It needs to happen in high school and college. And I think it starts with like what we're doing now at Apogee with these kids and Togethership does the same thing for these middle school kids before they go into high school to have some type of routine, tools, resources, because shit's going to hit the fan. We know that in sports and in life. The only thing yeah. promised is change and adversity. That's the only thing that's promised. How many times do you go out there? You study all week for a game plan. This is my favorite part. We do all this hourly work, watching film, doing all this shit. And then we get out to the field and they bring out something new that we didn't, we didn't uh, you know, plan for. Now what? Right? So it's yeah. like you can do all the planning in the world, but at some point you just got to go play. And how do you play when you're most free and you know who the fuck you are, you know? And so um, it's crazy. But, yeah, that, that seasonal shit, man. It's funny because you say that and it's like my body knows. Mm-hmm. And my receiver coach, my senior, told me he was like, man, that's why. But even coaches, man, I had a conversation with some coaches where that's all they knew. So they got into coaching. Yep. And it's this, yep. dude, they've been doing this since they were seven years old seasonal right in your yeah. body and like all these things and i think like you said it's we are we do have seasons like our whole life is seasons there's seasons of storms there's seasons of abundance there's seasons of moving there's seasons of feeling like you're at home like we have these different seasons seasons in life can sometimes be days weeks months years yeah. so um yeah man really interesting <laughs> really interesting yeah and as i think the most important part we don't live in a bubble of la yeah um from True. a weather perspective where oh yeah in in life though seasons are meant to flow they're meant to come and go um so if someone's listening to this and they are in a season maybe that they're not particularly thrilled about mm-hmm. you can still make the most of it and yes. know that there's there's something coming on the other end like holding out hope in that confidence that like Dude. this season of I'm just not getting what I'm putting out into the world. I'm getting frustrated. That's okay. Like, yeah. Keep showing up. Keep going because on the other side of that, you'll you always get what you give. It just might look differently than you expect to receive it. 100%. And resistance hits hardest at the finish line. Mm. And, like, the resistance can be anything, right? I read that in The War of Art where it's like – it comes from anything. It doesn't always have to be the adversity in the thing that you're chasing. It could yeah. be from your relationship. It could be from family. It can be from finance. Like it's resistance that's coming from all different areas testing you, but it's going to hit hardest at the finish line. And what's really helped me with this is it takes one mm. to build momentum. And like with me, it's like, okay, you're having a bad day, but one text message, one little Venmo that you might get that you weren't expecting, one little, one little thing can shift the whole the whole um, momentum and yeah. energy of, I mean, like, especially in sports, right? Like you're driving on the field, you throw an interception. Oh my God. Momentum oh. change. Right. Yeah. And it's like, 
that's life, man. Like you're one play away, you're one thing away, you're one call away from it hits. Yeah, exactly. So especially with like the things that we're doing, like the podcast or businesses or events, like man, it takes one person to hear it, see it, say it, share it, and then it's yep. like becomes a thing. It becomes big. It becomes what it's meant to be. And um, so I mean, yeah, those seasons, man, and they're tough, bro. This is all this is all easier said than done, too, right? Like we could sit here and say it because it's a daily practice and yeah. some days are better than others man whatever your best is that day that's all you can do 100 percent. i want to ask you one of the final questions mm-hmm. here it actually came to me as you were telling the story of debating and kind of understanding coming to this conclusion of like it's time to hang up the cleats mm-hmm. where do you feel right now in your life you can fully express yourself wow and what does that look like um honestly man i feel pretty expressed and in all areas. Mm. I think um I think the only place it's hard to be fully expressed is maybe the school just because you know kids they don't always understand yeah. the things when you're an adult so you kind of have to be careful and tread on water about that. Um but I mean most of everything I do man I've been pretty I feel like this last year of just trying to embody how I feel that day and what feels right to me and being intuitive and um again, it's been a muscle. It's been a muscle and it's been me lacking clarity for a very, very long time of mm-hmm. like, where am I going? I was bouncing around in senses, not really looking for anything, but just like looking for something, you know, like, um, and I feel like I'm finally starting to get my feet under me. Um, and being fully expressed to me is literally just being like, like in, in any sense, what do I want to wear today? What do I want to mm. do today? What do I want to eat today? Like not holding back in any sense. Like if you want to wear that thing, wear that thing. If you want to do this, like do like, and just not being scared of like, Oh, well I can't do that at work. Oh, I I can't do that in front of these friends. Oh, I can't say that, you know, like, because at that point you're, you're just living up to everybody else's expectations and you're just not being authentic. And that's just all a lot of, I think subconscious conditioning of what is normal, what's right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we fall into that trap of just not being our unique uncommon selves, right? Like of, of being like, oh, well, this is what people expect, or this is the norm. And it's like, well, you know what? Like, leaders are always ahead of their time, and innovators always seem dumb at first. My favorite thing is, like, the Wright brothers, like, building the airplane. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to build an airplane. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, good luck, dude. And then now, obviously, we travel around the world in airplanes. And it's like, man, you're going to sound look crazy. You're going to look weird. Like, and it's like, be the weirdo, right? Like, but if everybody just embodied what they felt, I mean, I think the world would be a better place because I think that's what makes us so like suppressed and angry and frustrated is because you're not allowing your full artist and creative Mm. and like all these things, your higher self to come out because you're just not tapping into what it's asking you to do. And it could be as simple as wearing that thing, Mm. like feeling empowered. Like, have you ever, I mean, I've put shit on where I'm like, I've always maybe been scared to wear it because maybe it's a little loud and I'm like, I put it on, I'm like, damn. And for me, it was tattoos. Like, not getting tattoos. I've always wanted to get tattoos, and for a while it was always like, oh, don't get tattoos, don't do this. And then when I just started saying, like, fuck it, and getting tattoos and getting my piercings and growing my hair out and doing all these things that I just felt like I wanted to do because I wanted to yeah. feel like me, you know? And now I was telling you, you know, like, now I'm like, okay, fuck, like, my, do I like my hair now? Like, and then you go through that stage again. Am yeah. I attached to this thing that I think is me, or is it time for a change? Um, but I think the biggest thing is just asking yourself why mm. about everything. I don't want to wear that. Why is that you saying that? Or is that some old trauma? Is that some old condition? Is that some old agreement? Oh no, I don't do that. Why don't you do that? Mm. Oh, I can't do that. Why? Because somebody else told you you can't, or you've ever tried it. You've never tried it. So I think just asking yourself why literally everything that Socratic method, right? And that's kind of exactly what, um, it's been cool. Like I said, working at the school because it's, it helps me, taken into life and it holds me accountable, you know, and rereading books and doing these things and, um, living a life better. So, uh, I think it's just more refreshed right now Yeah, because we're, you know, it's gotten to school, but yeah, man, um, being fully expressed, I feel like that's just, uh, that's kind of the foundation of how I want to live my life and whatever that looks like it can change and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, two things came up for me as you were talking. The first one is like your uniqueness is your superpower and it's on you to express that. No one else will do that for you. You have to lean into it. And then the second thing you mentioned a little bit early on about clarity. Mm. And then it's in a season of your, your constantly gaining clarity. 
I think clarity is a very interesting word mm -hmm. because it's a mirror. It's a mirror into ourselves. Yeah. And even the cleanest mirrors need to continually be cleaned. How are you cleaning your mirror now so that you're still doing some of that? Because obviously you've done a lot of internal work, mm -hmm. but what does that process look like now in this current season of your life that is allowing you to constantly clean that mirror to get a clear vision of who you are and make sure that you're you're not ever looking in a foggy mirror? Yeah, I dude, I love that because I think what came up when you said mirror, it's like, all this, like you said, is, is already inside of you, mm. and it's up to you to, to push those triggers and find the things and do the hard things that bring those characteristics out. And a lot of this for me was my girlfriend, too. She brought out characteristics in me that I never thought I had or that were possible. So that was a whole nother form of, of like, love that I've never experienced and, and to, of just, like – like, I never thought I was going to, you know, have a serious relationship or ever get married. I never thought, like, any of that stuff. And so having that and having a partner, having support or a tribe, if you don't have a partner, whatever the case is, having some type of, like, accountability to where, like, because she checks me. Because mm -hmm. I'll be saying, like, oh, I don't, I don't like this or I don't, you know, whatever. And she's like, I think you're taking this personal. I think you need to do this. And then it's funny because, like you said, when the mirror gets foggy, it's usually me forcing it. I was telling you earlier, I, I go through this constant cycle of life where I surrender and I finally get burnt out. I'm like, all right, dude, like Jesus, take the wheel, universe, show me what you got. And they start giving me opportunities and things start popping up. And, yeah. and then I go, okay, time to grab the wheel again. And then the mirror gets foggy, like you're saying. So what happens is I start to realize when I'm starting to kind of go through this, this cycle of like, I'm starting to lose it. I'm starting to kind of feel off. I'm starting to get more tired. My energy is low, whatever the case is. I'm not doing the things that got me there. And it's funny because it's you don't want to lose the edge of the thing that got you there, right? Yeah. So the meditation, the visualization, all the little things daily that you do to make you feel great, you get to a point where you're feeling amazing and then you think you don't need it anymore, right? And it's just like it's just like sports. It's just like, oh, I worked my butt off to be the starter and now I'm the starter and now I'm just going to take, sure. you know, yeah, take my foot off the gas and it's like, well, that's what got you there. Yeah. Don't lose the edge that got you there. So um, with me, it's the little tools and resources, man, and just staying grounded. And there's seasons where like I'm reading a ton and then I'm not. And then there's seasons where like I'm journaling a ton and then I'm not. And I think it's me finding the harmony of whatever's working for me in those moments. Cause it's not always all those things at the yeah. same time or every day. Right. Some days I'm just writing a bunch. Like I write a bunch for like a week or two and then I'm like, okay. And then sometimes I'm just diving into a book and doing little notes. And then sometimes I haven't done anything for a week and I feel okay. Like I needed a little reset because sometimes yeah. I get sensory overload. I'm taking too much information in and I'm like, I need to chill. Yeah. So um, I think, like you said, tapping into your like intuitiveness and like being able to go in and ask yourself, okay, like it's okay to watch this movie. It's okay to like do the things that like, I love movies. Yeah. I used to like try to avoid watching TV and movies. I'm like, oh, it's bad. It's like, dude, like everybody's different, yeah. right? Fill your cup with whatever that looks like. So um, when your mirror gets foggy, I think just again, asking yourself what's going on, what am I not doing? Now, that's why journaling helps because when you're feeling great and you're documenting it, you can go back to see what you were doing, mm. right? So I think that's one of the tools that's helped me a lot. Yeah, we only go to therapy or do the journaling or do the mindfulness stuff like when we're in the shitter oh, <laughs> dude. versus when things are good. Right. And that's that's such a case to like continually to do the work, to be in the work that looks different for everyone, mm -hmm. even when things are going well because that's – you're creating a blueprint for you to get back to that. You're creating your own map. Um, I want to end here with the fast five, okay. which we did in the ice bath, but we lost the footage. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so now we're actually recording five sent or five questions, mm -hmm. one sentence, one word answers. Yep. First one, you already got practice here. Yeah. What's your go-to podcast? Uh, yeah. You never know, uh, by Mike stud It's just Mike. Now it's Mike with a period. Um, but the, you never know podcast, great ex athletes, you know, he has business guys on there, but just cool podcast man is we're really relatable to life i love it i won't make the same bad joke that i made earlier number two <laughs> what's your go-to book that your favorite book you've read in the past year yeah the monk who sold his ferrari by robin sharma it's just uh, an amazing fable about you know fulfillment happiness and and the power of simplicity love it number three what's something you can't live without yeah i said right now it's uh it's caffeine um but honestly i feel like it's just um like curiosity mm. like coming up for me the second time you've asked me because like uh like I, I like newness i like trying new things i like doing new things i like learning so yeah. like curiosity curiosity is a spice of and life. caffeine and know. caffeine curiosity <laughs> caffeine 
Yeah, there we go. Curiosity works better when and you're on caffeine. Caffeine and strong coffee for that caffeine. You know, use the code. Use the code. Strong coffee, <laughs> caffeine. I won't Top say my much. code. We're on your podcast. You yeah. use your code. I don't even know my code. I'm, <laughs> I'm the worst affiliate for all, all my affiliates. It's okay. Um, number four, what is a quote that you live by? Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Amazing. Number five, sum up your focus right now into one word. What is it? Yeah, uh, it was clarity. Um, and I think by clarity, I mean just like focusing on each moment, being present, because um, that that's what brings the most clarity. It's like when I'm most present in the moment, I'm just literally focused on my magic and whatever that is that I can bring the value to at that time, the road starts to get clear for me. Mm. You know, the universe takes over, God takes over and starts to like clear the path for me instead of me trying to find it, focusing on each moment being present, but that causes the clarity for me. I love that. It just reminded me of a, a quote by the poet in Q. If we can change the present moment, we can have the possibility to change the past and the future but we only have control over this. Boom. Boom. Um, Caleb, dude, this was absolutely a blast. Thank you so much for entertaining, uh, for coming in, good conversation, workout, being open to being thrown through whatever I created in the gym. Where can those listening in find more of you, connect with your podcast and all the great things that you're doing, putting out into the universe here? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, On Instagram and Twitter, I'm just at Caleb Fossum. That's K-A-L-E-B-F-O-S-S-U-M. Um, we have the Be Uncommon podcast, um, you know, on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Um, the Be Uncommon podcast, you know, we do, uh, we have that. Um, and that's pretty much kind of what, I guess, content wise. But yeah, if you want, if you need anything from me, um, like we talked about, I'm wearing a lot of different hats, but I like to just kind of consider myself, you know, uh, like a lifestyle consultant in a case. If you like the way that, you know, I talk or move or whatever the case is, um, I'd love to help answer any questions or find resources and tools for, for anybody, man. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you, man. This was a blast. It's a, it was a therapeutic conversation. I got a workout. I got a protein shake, man. Again, this is a beautiful energy here, man. So I just really appreciate you. Dude, anytime, man. Appreciate you being here. Take a moment to leave a review wherever it is that you are listening. It really helps us continue to bring value to you each week. And until next time, flow on, my friends.